So during the American Revolution, Baptist pastor Peter Miller, who was a great friend of General George Washington, traveled 70 miles on foot from Ephrata, Pennsylvania to Philadelphia. He went there to plead the life of Michael Whitman, who had been arrested for treason and sentenced to die. Whitman was an evil man who had done everything in his power to make life and, mi and ministry miserable for the pastor. Washington refused his request. I cannot grant you the life of your friend. My friend? Asked the preacher. He's my worst enemy. What? You've traveled 70 miles on foot to save the life of your enemy? I'll grant you your pardon. Here's the question. How far would you go to love your enemies? Let's see what Jesus has to say about that in Luke chapter 20, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 6, from verse 27 through 36. But I say to you, Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. I want to say to us this morning that we must not only listen to, but we must obey what Jesus commands. He says to us, but I say to you, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Now, in case you didn't pick it up the two times that I read it, Jesus made a terrible mistake when he gave this command to his disciples about loving others. I don't know if you picked the mistake up. The mistake that he made was using the word enemies. Didn't he mean to use the word friends? After all, Love is shared between friends, not between enemies. In fact, isn't that what the culture then and now teaches us, that we should love our friends, love our neighbors? Now, God gave to his people a, a law of love. 
They were to love their neighbors as themselves, but they came to interpret friends or neighbors as anyone who lived next to them, anyone who looked like them, anyone who worshipped the same way that they did and the same God that they did. And they came to infer that it was okay to hate their enemies, anyone who didn't look like them, didn't live next to them, or didn't come from their nationality or from their religion. So you see that Jesus made a mistake, or did he? Did he? Now here's how Matthew records this same teaching to his disciples. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 44, Jesus says, and he's speaking to his disciples and to all those uh, Jews who were listening, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. So we are hearing conflicting voices here, aren't we? So our culture says, love those who share your nationality and your religion, but hate anyone else. But Jesus overrules the culture when he says, but I say to you, there's an authority with which he's speaking and he's overruling what the culture has taught them. But I say to you, love your enemies, do good to your haters, bless those who curse you out, pray for your abusers. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn the other one and let them strike you on it as well. If they steal your coat, give them your shirt. If they beg you for stuff, share it with them. If they steal from you, don't demand it back. Do unto others as you would wish them to do to you. Now, whenever what our culture says conflicts with what Jesus says, whose voice should get our ear and our obedience? We must not only listen to Jesus' voice, but we must obey it even when obeying is difficult. Now, think, for example, of, uh, of Joseph, whose brothers sold him into slavery. Think of Hagar, whose mistress Sarah mistreated her. Think of Stephen, who was stoned to death by an angry mob. Think of Jesus, who was crucified on a cross. Now, what do all of these people have in common? What they had in common was that they listened to and obeyed God's voice rather than the other voice that was in their head. They forgave. They prayed for, they even submitted to their enemies. Here's our second point. Our love is measured by our action that is unnatural. Jesus says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, offer them your tunic, give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Now, love is many things in our culture. I'm sure you agree with me. 
Most people who sing about love reduce it to a feeling. A feeling. They make love about an emotional response to your body. In fact, if you were to listen to secular radio and all the love songs that are being played, most of them, if not all of them, are referring to how I feel about you, the physical um, arousal that that places in me because of your body and the response that I make physically. Others re reduce love to an arrangement, a contract. We enter into that contract voluntarily at times or at other times merely for convenience. And so marriage often proceeds with this kind of arranged love. As long as the contract works, and as, though, and as long as we feel good about each other, game on. Game on. I'm sure you realize that this kind of love is a me-centered love. It's really very focused on me. You exist to make me happy. And as long as you make me happy, then our love um, flourishes. But as long as you don't make me happy, then that is the end of our arrangement. Now, arranged love is easy, but that's not the kind of love that Jesus is talking about here at all. He's talking about the love that flows from an understanding of what it means to be loved by God and how God uses us as conduits of his love toward others, even our enemies. And so let us note that love is action. Love is measured not by our words, but by our actions, often unnatural action. I want us to note that the command to love your enemies, you can apply that on multiple levels. It applies to you personally, in terms of your personal relationships. It applies on a humanitarian level, that we respond with love to other human beings. It applies on a national level, in terms of how we relate to um, immigrants and refugees and so on. Let us note that your enemy is someone who might be at odds with you. Maybe, maybe they hate your guts, to put it plainly. Uh, maybe they had not-so-kind words with you. Maybe they took advantage of you and of your generosity. Maybe they abused you. Maybe they, to use a, a local um, way of saying it, maybe they flipped the bird at you. Maybe, maybe that happens. Really. Maybe they maligned your character. Maybe they stole from you. Now all of us know, all of us know that the easiest response to all of these scenarios is to do what comes naturally. Naturally. And so, if they don't like us, then we don't like them either. If they call us nasty names, we call them even nastier ones. If they abuse us, we abuse them in return. If they don't like us, or if they curse us, then we curse them right back. And do you know that Christians make very good curses as well? Christians can curse. If you didn't know that, you know that now. 
If they malign our character, we malign theirs right back. Now what then do you do with this command from Jesus? But I say to you, and when he says that, he says that with a voice of authority. What do you do with that command? And what he says to you is, do what comes unnaturally. In other words, you want to respond naturally in kind. And Jesus says, but I say to you, do what comes unnaturally. Love them in return. Don't do, what them, don't do to them what comes naturally, which is to respond in kind. Do what comes unnaturally, which is to love them. And here is a list of things, a list of actions that prove that you love Russians, that you love the immigrant, that you love liberal Democrats, that you love the conservative Republicans, depending on which side of the fence you're on, that you love immigrants, that you love the pro-choicers or the pro-lifers, that you love anti-Trumpers or you love pro-Trumpers, that you love the LGBTQ or the straight, that you love sinners or the saints that you love family members or the strangers. Here is a list of actions, Jesus says. First of all, do good to them rather than doing evil to them. Secondly, bless or speak well of them rather than cursing them out. Pray for them rather than flipping them the bird. Give them the other cheek rather than fighting back. Be generous to them rather than withholding kindness from them. Now, none of this comes naturally. I don't care if you're the best person among us. None of this comes naturally at all. None of this is ever easy. This is not how we would prefer to respond to people. The only reason we, we must do it is because Jesus says, but I say unto you. And when he says that, what he's saying is, do it even if it comes unnaturally, even if it is difficult, even if it hurts doing that. Here's our third and final point. A reward awaits those who love as Jesus commands them to. He says this, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And then he ends by saying, be merciful even as your father is merciful. And so Jesus ends this teaching with the same command that he gave at the beginning of it, but love your enemies. And this time he is pointing out the contrast between loving those whom it is easy to love and loving your enemies. I'm sure you would agree that anyone can love those who, in fact, love them. That's not hard to do, Jesus says. Because you see, even sinners love those who love them. That doesn't require any effort at all. If, if you love me, I can reciprocate. There's nothing easy 
There's nothing difficult about doing that. It's very easy. Anyone can do good to those who do good to them. We call that in the islands that you rub my back and I rub your belly. It's a quid pro quo kind of a thing. Yeah, that's an arrangement. If you do good to me, I do good to you. That's very, very easy to do, Jesus says. Even sinners do that as well. And anyone can lend to others, especially if they're going to get back everything they lent and even maybe getting it back with interest. That's very easy. Jesus says even sinners do that as well. But loving your enemies, that's another matter. Doing good to those who abuse you, that's another matter. Doing good without being noticed for it and being reciprocated for it, that is, that is very difficult. Lending and expecting nothing returned, that's not easy either. All of that is called selflessness. But we are all selfish people, aren't we? We are. And what Jesus is calling us to do is a love that is both selfless and costly. It is going to cost us something to do that. God wants us to give ourselves away without counting either the cost or without expecting anything in return. That is not easy to do. But Jesus wants us to know that there is a reward awaiting those who love like that. He describes it as a great reward. Those are his words. A reward that he himself will give, and that reward is the reward of heaven and all that heaven involves. And then there's a second component to the reward. Loving like this is the best expression and the best indication that we are, in fact, children of God. It doesn't mean that because we say with our words that we are children of God that we are. Jesus says the best expression of that is the ability to love in the way that I'm telling you to love. Because you see, when we love like that, we reflect that we are indeed children of the Most High God. Because that's how he loves. And how does he love? He loves by being kind to the evil and to the ungrateful. Even if people are evil and wicked and ungrateful and not expressing their love to God, God loves them generously anyway. He's merciful even to those who are unmerciful. And when we love like this, we are in fact reflecting that we are children of God. The bottom line of our message this morning is that Christians are commanded to love those with whom they couldn't disagree more. So if you're here this morning and you are a Christian, this is how God expects us to love. First application point is this. Open your heart to the love that God has for you. Because you see, you cannot love like this without, without first allowing God and his love to be poured out into your heart. I may very well be speaking to somebody this morning who has never really allowed Jesus to love them. If you are here this morning and that applies to you, I want to ask you to open your heart to God's love for you. 
Now, there's no greater demonstration of love than that a person would give his life for you. And that is exactly what Jesus did when he died on the cross, even when we were yet in our sins. So here's my question to you. Isn't it time that you opened your heart to this love that God gives you freely? While you ponder that question and respond to it, I'm going to give you my second application point, which is this. Beat your swords into plowshares. Now that comes straight out of scripture, straight out of the Bible. Now swords are weapons that we use to fight against others. Plowshares are tools that we use to work together. And so in the book of Isaiah, God pointed to a time of peace that was coming when his people would beat their swords into plowshares, meaning that they would stop fighting each other and they would start working together and helping one another. I'm sure you realize that we as Christians have for far too long been known for, the, for, for what we fight against, for what we are against, for what we oppose. I believe it's time for us to be known for what we love, for what we are for. And God says to us, therefore, beat your swords into plowshares that will find common ground to cultivate. Here's our third and final application point. Be a vessel of God's love. Last week, that we, last week we learned that one of the ways in which God answers prayer is by saying to us, you do it. In other words, you've been praying to me and you've been asking me, God, would you do it? And God is saying to us, this is one of the things that I want you to I want you to go now and do it. You be a vessel of God's love. You go and love your enemies, those who are at odds with you, those who are cursing you and abusing you and treating you badly and unkindly. You go and love them. You bless those who are cursing you. You go and pray for those who are abusing you. You go and let God love people through you. Now, is this a, an easy word? It is not. Will God test us to see, myself included, to see whether I, we really believe this? Yes, he will. Should you be willing, nonetheless, to step up and say, God, I will do it? Yes, you should. Let's pray together. God, we reflect this morning on your unconditional and great love for us. And God, your word says that this love compels us to love others as well. God, none of us can boast today that we love like this. Only your Holy Spirit working inside of us can so transform us and so soften our hearts that we are willing to love those who hate us and forgive those who abuse us and say unkind things about us. And God, we know that you will test us.
to see if we really believe this and if we're really prepared to go and live this way. So we're saying to you in advance that we are willing. Just make us more willing and empower us to do exactly what you want us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.